I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 76. So, we did a thing. What thing? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, this podcast is so freaking great and fun, and I love the connections from before that it's bringing back in our lives. Oh, yes. You know, yes, like yes, people yes. that we grew up with, that you lose touch with, that have like come back into our lives because they listen and it's so much fun. But we recently connected with one of our previous and favorite teachers ever. Yes, from high school. Yes. And she started listening to the podcast and is binging all of the things with her daughter. Yes, that's so cool. And... We actually got to go to trivia with her just a couple of nights ago, and it was so much fun like to get to know her as an adult and not yes. as, like, I mean, I still was like, oh, my God, she's so cool. I know. I know. <laughs> I was like, I'm not cool enough to be, like, sitting at no, her table. No, I know. And it's so crazy, like, the flood of memories that come back, like, of her mannerisms and, you know yes, what I mean? I know. Like, she wrote one of the answers at Trivia and Donna was like, your handwriting's the same. Yes. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. So, Kim, we had, well, that's weird saying Kim, but <laughs> we had an amazing time. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for listening. Yes, and thank you, Jody, her husband, yes, for coming yes. and knowing, you know, like, half of the answers. Yeah, he knew all of the history answers that Donna <laughs> didn't, history major. <laughs> you know, you know. But you know who did get it right? The people who won? Mm-mm. Krista O. from Vermont. New Patreoner! <laughs> is that getting old? I feel like it is. No. But I love it. I think it's hilarious. I mean, it's your thing. It's your shtick. Smoking a pancake. <laughs> <laughs> Bong and a blitch. Oh, my gosh. Do y'all remember that from Austin Powers? <laughs> <laughs> Let me know. Well, also, MLG from Scotland, Scotland, they up their pledge. Oh, my God. Y'all are the best. Y'all know all the right answers to trivia, I bet. Uh, definitely. We don't, but y'all do. Thank y'all for supporting us. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Seriously. Thank y'all. All right. So, you know how we went to True Crime Podcast Festival in Chicago mm-hmm. uh, this past year? Chicken yeah. in a car in a car, I go. Mm-hmm. Well, they just announced... 2020. Dun, dun, dun. Where are we going, Donna? <laughs> I feel like Pat Sajak. Tell them what they won, Bob. Is that his name? I don't know. Kansas City, Missouri. Coming for you. Mm-hmm. Ready or not, here we come. So, yes, if you are close to Kansas City, Missouri, we will be there with bells on July 11th. And tickets go on sale September 2nd. Yes, and they will, like, progressively go up. You know, like, September 2nd, cheapest the tickets will be. Ever. <laughs> but we gonna be there, y'all. And hopefully Carrie's not on a fucking scooter. That was awful. I felt so bad, too, because I was, like, sitting down the whole time. Oh, and, like, gosh, oh, hey, y'all. Hey, nice to meet you. I'm not getting up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you have a fucking boot on and a scooter. And a pick one. And a pick one. Hey, we'll meet you for dinner later. Um, I got to get do my IV first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. She just escaped from the hospital. Um, Some people go back up to their hotel rooms for quickies. I go up <laughs> to do my IV. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, thank God that's over. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So we'll keep y'all up to date on any details we get. We'll let you know. All right. You ready? I'm ready. 
All right. I am doing a haunted house. Yes. And so I found this and I was like, oh, okay. Well, then shit kept popping up and this episode kept popping up and it's called Paranormal Witness, season one, episode four, The Haunting of Mansfield Mansion. So what I'm going to do is I watch that episode and I'm merging it with the stuff I like found about the house and stuff too. So a happy marriage of the two. So picture it. Mansfield, Connecticut, 1994. Amy Moore and her daughter Alyssa have just moved to Mansfield because Amy just got a divorce, starting over, you know, fresh start, blah, blah, blah. We all know how this starts. Mm-hmm. They're driving around looking for a house to buy And that's when they discover this old, dilapidated house. Amy fell in love with the house. She was like, yeah, it had peeling paint, shrubs were overgrown, etc. But underneath it all, she knew that this house was beautiful and it just kind of called to her. Which reminds me of Loretta Lynn's episode that we did because it was kind of the same thing. They were driving around mm-hmm. and the house kind of called to Loretta. So they're up in there, you know, kind of just like in their car, peeping around. And there's this white sign, kind of like the alpaca farm store sign. And it says there's going to be an auction for the property and it'll have like sealed bids. Here's a number to call. So, Amy is straight up fucking giddy, but her daughter Alyssa is like, the fuck? This place is a dump. Mm-hmm. I'm picturing very Casper-ish when they had to move in, mm-hmm. and it was really bad. Yeah. I mean, there were ghosts there, too. Yes. So, Amy goes to a payphone, beep, boop, 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 calls, sets up a walkthrough with the property manager, Next day, she gets there. He's already there. And he's a little skittish, but she's so pumped, she doesn't even notice. And Amy knows what's what. She has watched HGTV. So she was like, okay, let's go to the basement and check out the foundation and all. So they do. And when they go inside the basement, they find a mysterious stone in the middle of the floor. They don't know what it is or what it was, but it's just kind of fucking strange. And she's like, okay, something's weird, but we can remove all that shit, you know? Like, how big a stone? Like a boulder or like a pebble? Like a monument, but, yeah. Like a grave, almost. Like, kind of like a headstone-y thing? Or, oh, like a like a, like a a New Orleans grave? Yep. Okay. An above-ground one. Uh-huh. Mausoleum thingy. Foreshadowing of the foreskin. Sorry. Okay. When Amy and the property manager guy go into the house, she's disgusted. It was a complete dump. Dead squirrels and (gasps) rodents. Ew. They go up. (laughs) You were totally Jimmy Fallon's uh, gift. I didn't mean to even say it like that. That was it. That was it. (laughs) I can see it right now. (laughs) But they go upstairs and on the third floor, which is kind of like the attic She said it's the worst. The ceiling was caving in some. The dead animals were basically everywhere. And there was a lot of old furniture left. And even an old wheelchair. Like an old one. Mm -mm. And a sign that said Mansfield Training Board School. Not good. 
Well, Amy asked the property manager about it, and he's like, well, all the records were lost, so I really don't know. And she's like, all right, that seems legit. Nothing's digital back then, so whatevs. They don't, you know, like, whatever. But she has so much excitement because she sees the potential, and I feel like she sees this house as her. Mm-hmm. So she puts in a low bid, and it's like $100,000, but this is like a big house. Like, yeah. I think it was like seven bedrooms Jeez. and stuff. So, I mean, big, huge. Mm-mm. Pretty okay. woman. Mm-hmm. I know you want to ask me. Yep. Well, she won the bidding, and then the renovations began, and so did the crazy shit. Amy had a full-time job during the day, so she did the renovations at night, much like, oh, the people from The Watcher story, where he was painting at night. Mm-hmm. Well, she's on a 12-foot ladder inside, and she's scraping and, like, pulling at the wallpaper to get it down. She's focused and shit, and then all of a sudden, bam! Didn't get you. Nope. Motherfucker. It's like the wall kind of jutted out, but it was just something, like, spooked her and made her, and, like, she heard a strange sound. So, like, she kind of jumped back, and then it sounded like something was running all around her. So, she's terrified. She was so scared. She went straight to her vehicle, went home, and she was like, look, I was all alone. It was at night, and there's no neighbors. We're, like... Basically in a field. Mm -hmm. She returned the next morning and she's like basically on her tiptoes like, okay, who am I going to find in here? Mm -hmm. What's going on? But no one's in the house. Everything seems legit. And she's like, all right, it was a freak accident. My mind was playing tricks on me. I'm tired. And who knows? She might be afraid of heights and she was on a fucking 12 foot ladder. You know, like who knows? Fast forward three months later, and it's the day that Amy and Alyssa move in. Amy's on cloud nine, ecstatic, excited, but Alyssa is like dark gray cloud, gut feeling that they should not move in the house. She feels a negative presence and just an unsettling feeling there. So they unpack a little bit, and then it's like, all right, well, let's rest. We'll unpack the rest tomorrow. Whatevs. Well, Alyssa's like, look, I'm not going to sleep until I just kind of explore this house and figure out what's what, where's Waldo. where's everything. Yes, I mean, where is where in the world is Carmen San Diego? That bitch is elusive. Mm-hmm. So she gets up the courage, and she's going to explore the house she heads to the third floor because apparently you know you start at the top so there's this door that kind of leads up some stairs to the attic on the third floor and there's a latch on there well she undoes the latch and when she goes to open the door there is just a gust of cold air that kind of took her breath away so she's creeping it you know like Kind of like the Grinch. Yes. Yes. Or Ace Ventura. <gasps> Both. Jim oh, Carrey. Oh, shit. Damn. Damn. Well, we know how he walks if he's ever committing a crime. 
But so she goes and, you know, just kind of seeing if she can find anything. And if she's anything like me, she, like, wants to find something. So she knows, like, see, I told you. Mm-hmm. But also she doesn't. Because she doesn't actually want to find right. something. Yes. So with every step up those stairs, her fear just gets worse. When she reaches the top, she actually becomes paralyzed for several seconds, and she feels something on her neck. Mm -mm. And it feels like someone or something is standing right behind her, breathing down at her. And she had just felt that rush of cold, right? Right before that? or Before when she was going up the steps? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And she felt it was evil. Whatever was right behind her was evil. It's crazy how you just know. Mm Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, she was so scared, all of the emotions took over, and she ran down the stairs, burst through the door, like the front door, out of the house, and was, you know, just like, (gasps) like hyperventilating. She went back in, told her mom, and her mom's like, I think you're just imagining it. It's, you know, like, it's okay, you're just nervous, you have this weird feeling, and so, of course, you're going to, like, want it to be mm-hmm. negative and all of, you know, everything I'd said before. Like, you want to be proven right, blah, blah, blah. The next day, Amy and Alyssa, they're cooking dinner, and they suddenly hear very loud, heavy footsteps. So, Amy goes to check and see what it was, And Alyssa is, you know, following. And she's, like, actually holding on to her mom's shirt. Like, uh uh-uh, you ain't leaving me here. Mm Mm-hmm. So they get to the bottom of the stairs, and they're just standing there looking up at nothing but hearing strange fucking noises. Amy starts to go up the stairs, and Alyssa was like, nope, not today. And she ran out the front door again. Amy had a hammer in her hand and, like, creeping it up the upstairs. She turns, looks down the hall, nothing there. Goes down, checks each bedroom one by one. And she is, you know, like, almost hyperventilating, trying to keep her breathing calm. But it's just erratic. And she's never felt terror like this. Golly. She slowly walks to the last room in the hall. And when she finally opened that door, she just flung it open and there was nothing there. Dun, dun, dun. However, that did not matter to Alyssa. She's like, I know something is there. Even though we're not seeing it, something's there. Amy continued doing the renovations And with every renovation, the noises just kept getting progressively worse. If they went upstairs, they would hear stomping downstairs and vice versa. And also she noticed that the door leading to the attic on the third floor, every time she would walk by it, the latch would be unlocked and the door would be open a little bit. Hmm. So she's like, all right. Okay, we'll play this game. I'll play your reindeer game. (laughs) So she put this, like, metal rod thing, wedged it to the door so it would stay put. But by the time she got halfway down the hall, she would hear the rod fall off. Oh, my God. Yeah. But she's like, all right, 
this isn't supernatural. It's got to be some some explanation for it. I just don't know. But so she isn't telling Alyssa everything because Alyssa is freaked the fuck out. Mm-hmm. She's on the verge of leaving everything. Well, Alyssa knew her mom was keeping things from her. But even though, like, okay, I know she's keeping things, but I do know that it's bad because I can feel the fear and the stress and all of that. That's what, And so that was even worse for Alyssa because she doesn't know what's going on. Right. And, of course, your mind is going to go to the worst places possible, you know? Right. But both Amy and Alyssa both kind of just put on a happy face for each other and just secretly wait for the next sound to happen. Well, one night, Alyssa starts hearing some moaning. And it's coming from her mom's room. Oh, her mama got a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And she's like, my mom's fucking having sex. Oh, could you imagine? Uh, well, yes. yes, you could. Uh, yes, I could. <laughs> um, <laughs> hmm. And so she's like, fuck, this is loud. Like, what the hell? You know? So she walks kind of closer to her mom's door. And she kind of knocks. And she says, mom, I can hear you. Ew. Yeah. And, I mean, it's still going, you know? And she's like, what the fuck? Like, knocked again. No, 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 no. I can hear you. Yeah. About that time, she thought out of the corner of her eye, she saw her mom leave. And so she was like, wait, what? And all of a sudden, she just felt nauseous. And she heard the door behind her click like it opened. Mm. So she just took running off. She was like, uh-uh, because she was like, holy fuck, I'm home alone. Yeah. Like, my mom's not here. Like, what the fuck? No, like, who's making these noises? Whatever. So, again, she is running down the stairs and going out that front door. That is, like, she is going out that front door, not collecting the $200, whatever. But as she's going out the door, she actually runs right into her mother's arms And she's like, I thought you were up there. I heard you. And she's like, no, I'm like just getting off work. What's going on? Damn. Yeah. So Alyssa decided, hey, look, I'm going to move in with my boyfriend. I'm not ready for that step in our relationship, but I have got to leave here. Like, I don't feel safe. And like, you have to work, mom. Mm -hmm. But I don't feel safe. And just like the stress of the house was getting to her, it just wasn't great. Well, Amy was like, fuck. You know, obviously she doesn't want her daughter to leave, but she also doesn't want to be alone in the house. But as luck would have it, Amy's friend, Dave McCann, he was going through a divorce and he needed a place to live. So she's like, look, you can come stay with me. You know, just bring your shit Whatevs. Amy gives him the lowdown. Like, look, strange shit's happening. You know, here's about all the sounds and stuff. But Dave's a police officer. Has been for 20 years. Like, over 20 years. And he's like, I do not scare easily. Like, come at me, bro. Mm Mm-hmm. And really, he thought, okay, well, Amy's just stressed and all of this. It's her imagination. You know, whatevs. Well, one night, Dave was home alone, and he heard the floorboard creaking. And he's like, all right, all right. Like, you know, he's watching TV, but he, like, kind of 
you know, mutes it and like, yeah. oh, okay, what, what? Well, he knew Amy wasn't home because she was still at work. But he looked underneath the door crack and he saw a like shadow moving like someone was walking in the uh-uh. hallway. Mm-mm. Don't like that. Mm-mm. And again, he knew he was the only one home. So he picked up his gun and he unlatched his door, you know, peered out, couldn't see anything. So he still got his gun, like going down the hall, you know, doing his fucking shit he's trained to do. Right. But there's no one there. And so he's like, look, I'm tired. I'm, you know, like, I'm letting the stress of all of this get to me. Like, okay. Right. So he's like, all right, let me just shake this off. I'm going to gather up some plates, head downstairs, put these in the dishwasher, like, you know, do whatever, then kind of come back up and clean slate, go to bed. So he's minding his own business, bebopping down the stairs, and then suddenly he heard a loud fucking noise. And just as he was, like, startled by that, a dark figure stepped in front of him. Mm -mm. And he saw it, but he couldn't really verify what it was. Also, one night, Amy, she had just finished working, so she's tired, watching TV. All of a sudden, she hears a click. And it's the door behind her opening. And then she starts to hear other noises, too. She's so petrified, she can't move, which, duh, I'd be the same way. Oh, absolutely. Then she hears a growl. Nope, not good. I don't know why I said it like that, either. That was very, like, valley girl, (laughs) but also, like, a lot of emphasis. Yes. Growl. That had, you added like eight syllables to it. Mm-hmm. It had a lot of vowels. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh, that was good. That one person in the back laughing at me. Thank you. <laughs> so she heard a growl and she looks around. Nothing's there. She looks even further around. And the doors shut. <gasps> but it wasn't. Right. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. No, I'm just kidding. Upstairs, Detective Dave, he's in his room watching TV, probably porn. And he hears a water bottle hit the floor. He's like, the fuck was that? Well, it's his water bottle. Like I just said. <laughs> well, he picks it up. He's like, let me put it in this garbage bag. Like, Let me not be lazy. Mm -hmm. Here we go. Well, then the water bottle fucking flew across the room. -uh. Uh Uh-huh. And almost hit him. Then he heard a growling sound, but it seemed to move like to the closet. So now Detective Dave is like, oh, oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you just like pointed at me like, can you just do that for me? Can you just, can you just, thanks. (laughs) Oh, God. And I literally, apparently I wrote this just for you. Oh, God. Because I said, oh, this too much. (laughs) This too much. (laughs) Why are you trying to steal all my lines? I know. Detective Dave is, not me. That motherfucker. Go watch your alleged porn and get off of, get out of my pond. 
<laughs> well, Dave said, I understand. I'm going to do it because he was like, look, I can't handle this anymore. I have to leave because now I understand that, like, you're not crazy and something is with this house. And he felt bad for leaving her in the house, but he's like... Girl, bye. Yeah, like, one is the loneliest number, and I'm only one person, and Mm -hmm. I gotta keep on keeping on. Mm -hmm. You just put, like, eight sayings into (laughs) one, none of which have anything to do with one another. (laughs) Uh, That was my inner petty joke coming out. Clearly. (laughs) Well, so Detective Dave rides off into the sunset with his water bottle and corn... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he, could, he couldn't even leave her the porn? Fuck. <laughs> we are so stupid. <laughs> However, Amy's son was laid off, and so him and his fiance decided to move in. So it kind of came at a, you know, like, yeah, a good time, but terrible that he got laid off. We've all been there where we had to move back into mom and dad's house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Been there. <laughs> Her son's fiance, Casey, she was like, look, first time I walked in there, I was just stunned at how gorgeous this house is. It's huge. It's old. It's got so much charm and character. And she said it was enchanting. And ghosts. Don't forget the ghosts. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love the craftsman style of the, oh, hey, Casper. Right. (laughs) I see you have Casper there. No, I don't have the Casper mattress. No, no, no. Casper. (laughs) Not sponsored. (laughs) (laughs) Devin Sawa, hit me up. Uh You could be my boo anytime. Eh, Get it? I got it. Thanks. One more time for the people in the back. (laughs) Brunch. <laughs> oh God, fuck. Well, picture it. Soon after they moved in, they put their son Bubba down for his like morning nap, and Casey went downstairs with Amy's son to start making their lunch. Well, they have the baby monitor there, and through it, they heard "Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star." Mm-mm. And it's not the words; it's just like the musical notes. Which is even creepier. Well, Casey knew there was no way that song could have been playing anywhere because their baby didn't have any toys that played that song. But she's like, you know what? It's probably interference or some shit, you know, technology, Mm -hmm. whatevs. So they kind of, you know, calm down. They're like, their son isn't fussing or anything. So, like, all is well. But then... Uh Uh-oh. They heard... A growling, horrible voice scream, Baba. (laughs) (laughs) I need a minute to recover from that. That was fucking funny. Oh my God. (laughs) Like instantly laughter. Whew, that was funny. Okay, continue. Okay. So Casey and Bill take off running. They're running upstairs because now the baby is crying. Not good. Mm-mm. Let sleeping babies lie. <laughs> yes. Bubba was 
terrified, crying hysterically, which, duh. I mean, it's a baby. It's what they do. (laughs) But Casey and Bill, and Bill is Amy's son's name. Casey and Bill are terrified. They don't know what the fuck to do. And you would think that they would want to get out of the house. It's a straight up, like, horror film up in there. But, I mean, that's not your first, like, go-to, though. You know what I mean? My first go-to wouldn't be like, oh, my God, there's a demon attacking my child. But if your mom is saying, okay, for six months, true, all of this has been happening. But still, I think that even until it happens to you, you're skeptical and you're like, okay, mom. You know, and so you're like, there's somebody in the house. You know, um, I would be. I just feel like the in general, people are going to be skeptical of it being like a demon coming after their child. They're going to be like, mom, it's just a new house. It's settling. It's doing this. It's doing that. Yeah. With the, you know. I would. However, his sister's already moved out and Detective Dave has packed his shit and went too. Maybe. I'd still be skeptical. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are. But you're a changeling. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Back to this one, though. This scary story, not you. (laughs) They didn't have the money to move out. And they wanted to keep Bubba safe. So Casey's like, look, this is what I know. We're just going to get all the religious charms, items, everything, and place it around his crib, place it on his mobile, everything. So it seems to work. No more growling. No more, quote unquote, interference. However, bad dreams start happening to everyone else. Amy said that she was woken up at all hours during the night and she would just have like these violent dreams and like sometimes it would prevent her from sleeping like multiple days in a row. And the more that she would do restoration work or renovation, the dreams would be worse. One time she was woken up at 222 What she saw at the end of her bed was a tall, dark man. Is he handsome? Is he single? Well, you know what? She didn't get a chance to ask him that because he vanished. Ooh, that's not good. Mm -mm. Fucking the ultimate ghost. Well, Amy wasn't the only one having bad dreams. Bill had them too. And one time, Casey luckily woke up and she saw him have his fist in the air. Waving it like he just don't care? Yes, Totally. Not at all. But had it up in the air like he was going to cold cock her. Oh, fuck. Yeah. And so she had to wake him up by being like, stop. Don't. 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 Like, what? Holy shit. Mm-hmm. He said, if you steal my motherfucking cover one more time. Mm-hmm. She was probably one of those people that, like, tuck it under her and then roll on it. Mm-hmm. The ultimate tuck and roll. <laughs> Another time, Amy had a terrible dream was when she dreamt that she was a little girl and she just was panicking and she didn't understand really what was going on. But there were dolls around her. There were a lot of older people. And it was like back in the day vibes. Mm -hmm. People in uniforms. But all she knew is that she was terrified and confused And then the next thing she knew, one of the older people, a lady, she was telling her, go wash your hands. 
And so she did as the little girl. Mm-hmm. And while she's washing her hands, another woman came up behind her and was like, what are you doing? Is that your mom voice? <laughs> Probably. Um, that's Marley. Like, Yeah. And then fucking hit her over <gasps> the head. What the fuck? Uh-huh. And she felt that pain. And she said that she felt the pain of that child die right <gasps> there. Just from that one hit? Call her Selena. So with all of this, Amy's like, look, something is in this house. I know it. Now everyone that has been in this house has experienced something. So she just, she kind of started being obsessed with finding out things. So she would just take random pictures inside and stuff. Well, one night she's at the American Eagle Saloon, as one does, and she's like, I'm going to drink. I'm going to look at these pictures and everything. And a friend comes up and it's like, what you looking at? You know, she's got Polaroids and shit, you know? And she's like, look, these are photos of my house and I just, something is weird. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the Mansfield Training School. And she's like, yes, I saw a sign, you know, blah, 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 blah. And what it was, was a mental asylum. And we all know back in the day, Mm -hmm. most asylums had a lot of abuse and all of that. Bless it. Mm -hmm. Well, Amy's like, makes fucking perfect sense. Mm -hmm. And she starts to do further research. And the house was previously called... The House of Imbeciles. Oh, shit. Yes. That's horrible. Terrible. And she learned that she was living in the supervisor's house of the training school thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, with the house, she said that there was abuse that happened in the house, rape, and a death of a child. That she has felt now. Uh-huh. So she's like, okay... I think that's what's in the basement. Remember Mm, that stone foreshadowing. So she's like, all right, I need help. You know, I got to figure this out. Like everything is kind of lining up. Mm -hmm. You know, she's like marking off tallies because she uses the system too. (laughs) I mean, it's a really good system. (laughs) Well, her son's there and he's like helping her and using a crowbar, everything. Well... Mm, they get it moved and, like, kind of move the top, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, like, got just li- lots of, like, dirt and shit. And they kind of look and, oh, yeah, it's cremated body parts. A lot? No, not a lot. Okay. But so Amy's, like, I bet this is the remains of the child. Yeah. And so those remains are currently at the state pathologist. And I didn't find any update on that. So I don't know what they found out. Yeah. So allegedly that's what it is. I don't know. And a little extra, Amy, Bill, and Casey, and Bubba still live in this house. And they all, like, agree that it kind of goes in waves. Like, the house will be peaceful and everything's okay. And then... It's just, like, randomly, like, someone strikes a match and all of it comes up again. 
But Amy said, you know, this is my home. I put a lot of fucking blood, sweat, and tears into it. I love this house. And I'm going to stand my ground. Mm -hmm. And if you don't fucking believe me, come and stay the night and see if you can. Damn, I don't want to. So I wonder if it's like cyclical in that it happens like how they say it comes right. Like I wonder if they kept kept track of when the activity happened, if yeah. it would be related to when the kid was like Ooh. maybe beaten or killed or whatever, and they would see a pattern and know when to expect it. Ooh, girl. You remember that time? Y'all might not know because it was an extra slice. Head on over to Patreon. That's a plug. Um, <laughs> but when you were the pizza expert and <laughs> you just blew my fucking mind with your pie charts and everything. <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah, literally a pie chart. You just did that to me there. Didn't even fucking think about that. <laughs> Who's the paranormal expert here? <laughs> what the Zach Baggins is going on here? Look, I prefer Jawan. And Dalen and Marcus. True, true, true. Those are my booze. Mine too. You call it dibs? Motherfucker, I knew it. (laughs) You motherfucker. All right, so a little bit more about the mental asylum, the Mansfield Training School. It originally started in 1860, and it really was called Connecticut School for Imbeciles. That makes my stomach hurt. Like, no joke. That makes my stomach hurt. Yes. Because I was like, okay, maybe, you know, because sometimes people play it up on Mm -hmm. TV shows and shit. Mm -mm. Uh Uh-uh. Nope. It's factual. And that's terrible. Then, y'all, someone said, maybe that's bad. So, let's change it. Mm -hmm. But then they changed it to Connecticut Training School for Feeble-Minded. No. Mm-hmm. Get it together, Connecticut, with this in the back in the day. <laughs> well, not now. I don't want to call them out about it no, now. No, I know. I know. In 1917, it kind of merged with another place called Connecticut Colony for Epileptics. And that's when they became the Mansfield Training School. It was open for like 60 years. And so... And It was like a range of people there and a variety of disabilities. Well, like in its heyday, it housed over 1,800 residents and had like 50 buildings in this part. And something to note for Carrie, it had a small farm there too. And they said that was to provide occupational therapy for some of the epileptic patients. That's cool. I just read Wait, it. what year? 1917 was when occupational therapy was started. Fun fact. Didn't Damn. you say 1917? Mm-hmm. But as cool as that is, we all know that a lot of allegations on all the mental asylums and everything back in the day, mm-hmm. allegedly, poor conditions and abuse. And, you know, we all just know that a lot of people were hurt instead of helped mm-hmm. and healed. There were some lawsuits and shit, and so the training school actually closed in 1993. The patients were then sent to, like, a more modern facility and everything. But people say not just her house is haunted, but, like, the whole grounds. 
And of course, they have like orbs and mist. And they say like unexplained voices, sounds, shapes, shadow people, all of the above. And there's one group in particular that has like been there and been to her house, Amy's house, and just had like a lot of extensive research and just, I mean, they're like the go-to for the Mansfield Mansion. And they're called Proof, like P-R-O-O-F. And they were founded in 2008 and a you know, cold case investigations and paranormal phenomena. Phenomena. Yes. Everything is free of charge. You know, they do it to help people yeah. and everything. Well, I do want to say one thing. So he he started this with an inheritance from his grandmother. And actually, it was something that happened with his grandmother that really solidified his belief in the paranormal. So he was really close to her, and when she died, he was actually the one who found her, and she had died in her sleep. And he's quoted as saying, I had heard and read about the paranormal. Did I really believe it? Nah. But I thought to myself, I wasn't even able to say goodbye to her. So, you know, he threw himself into learning everything he could. Like, I want to get in contact with her. I need closure. And so he said that he went to the place she died in her house and he just kind of talked to her, took pictures, and he is, he's just kind of walking through doing this, you know, taking pictures in various spots, talking out loud to her and like picture Zach Baggins, but not trying to provoke Mm -hmm. them like by being asshats. So the ghost bros. You know what? Actually, yes. But he probably, not as funny. Not as funny as Mm -mm. them. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. And he definitely didn't pop that trunk. We are obsessed. Yeah, we are. We will find you. (laughs) Okay. So he said that, like, you know, he did all that. He went home and he listened to the recording. He hadn't really expected anything. You know, he just was doing it, kind of going through the motions, Almost to prove to himself it's not real. Mm -hmm. Like, I've done all of this. I'm close to my grandmother. I have taken all the pictures. I have walked around. You know, all of this and nothing. However, there was something. You could hear her say, I love you. Please move on. And on his camera, he said he captured a picture of her crocheting. (gasps) Yeah. So I just wanted to like give a background of him and his like proof. This is kind of what we're going to go into now. It's like nearly four years later and proof is in the pudding. Eh, get it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> proof is on the scene helping Amy. And she's like, look, I need your help because it was uh, December 2008 and an electrician named John Hevick, Hevick, what the heck's going on here? The electrician gets there. He goes to the basement because, of course, that's where the furnace and everything's located. Mm-hmm. He's not down there for, can't be more than 10 minutes. And he fucking runs up those stairs, huffing and a puffing. I'm sorry. I don't know if he was doing that. I'm just saying. If it was me. We'd be huffing and puffing. Mm-hmm. And he, like, took off. He was like, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. 
because he said he was pushed to the floor by something that he could not hear or see. Mm-mm. And so he was like, uh-uh, no. He was just like, the fuck no. <laughs> I did not sign up for this. This service fee is not worth all this bullshit. Right. Take you $75. Apparently, him coming kind of stirred up the house a little bit because Amy said that she was asleep, but she was woken up by someone holding her hand. And then it was, of course, followed by a deep growl in her right ear. Mm -mm. And so she was like, oh, fuck. No. So this was kind of like her... Okay, it's not going to get better on its own. Like, I can't just, like, will it out of here. So, I need to get in touch with someone who can. Yeah. And that's how she found proof. And she contacted them early February 2009. So, when proof was there, they spent 48 hours, like, basically paranormal lockdown. Mm -hmm. They said it was extremely active. Everyone who was there had an individual experience of some, some magnitude. When they were setting up their surveillance feeds and, like, just kind of, you know, getting people set up and how they were going to do it. Like, okay, tonight you need to be here and blah, blah, blah. There was a lady named Amanda DeVivo. And she's like, uh, Breaker Breaker 1-9, I just saw a shadow person walking from the storage room in the attic. Like, mm-mm, mm-mm. 10-4, good buddy. Over, over. And out. Because I'm out. <laughs> yes. Their tech coordinator, Ruben Velasquez, he recorded an image of an apparition kind of like what Amanda had said she saw. And it was pacing from one room to another. And it made its presence known by slamming a door Mm -hmm. before he vanished. Is this shadow person a teenager? (laughs) Girl, right? They heard women humming. And they said it was like... In harmony, and it sounded like it traveled through the walls and just like in a matter of minutes just stopped. Hmm. A lot of people kind of talked about, well, why is it only her that's feeling this, you know, blah, 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 blah. But Proof was able to get a hold of a former resident, Brett McNamara, and he lived in the house from 1974 to 1985. When his father, Roger, was the superintendent. And he said, quote, I remember growing up here. I felt a presence. I would close one door and find it open again. Hear strange creaks and knocks. I had odd feelings, particularly when I was home alone. This was the original institution. Parents lived here. Some died here. Maybe their spirits are trapped. God. Yeah. So... Like always, all of the trauma before seems to have carried over. Also, though, if she was going through, like, a change of her life, Mm -hmm. it probably was, like, the perfect situation. And it just kind of fed off of her. And then if her daughter was, you know, going through whatever. And then so was her son when Mm -hmm. he came. Yep. And Detective Dave. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone was going through something negative. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's kind of scary to think about, like, a house and, like, the spirits or whatever 
feeding off of your negative energy mm-hmm. because, like, life is hard, y'all. Yeah. Well, and then they stress you out more, which makes you have more negative energy. Yeah. And then, which they feed off more. And so it's just this vicious cycle you can't get out of. Yeah. Dang. Well, I hope that they, I don't know, bless the house or something and get rid of it. Yeah. How you get rid of, like, get rid of it. I know. But maybe not, though. If it's the whole land, they can maybe get rid of the house. But if it's on all the property. Exactly. It's, they'll never be able to get rid of it. Right. And I think, honestly, they should do what you said. Like, instead of tracking their period. Sorry, guys. Track the, the activity. Yeah. And kind of, you know, kind of reverse engineer it to see where it lines up with the trauma and mm-hmm. And see accidents if, and stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, see if they can correlate it to what they know happened in history then. Yeah. Well, well, that was good. Well, yay. So, picture it. We are going on a road trip to our neighbors to the north. Canada. I was <laughs> I was about to say it. God. Okay, rewind. <laughs> neighbors to the north. Canada? Them. Well, in Canada, there's a family called the Pictons. And the Pictons came over from somewhere, and (laughs) (laughs) I mean details. They settled in Canada to be pig farmers. Well, I mean alliteration. We love it. So true. Well, an oink oink here and an oink oink there. Here an oink, there an oink, everywhere an oink oink. Old Pictons had a farm. Okay, too far. So in the fifties, though, the Pictons were forced to sell their farm because they couldn't afford it. So, their way of life kind of changed. But in the 60s, the son of the OG Picton bought some land. He bought 40 acres, like swamp land. Got it for $18,000. And they brought their little farmhouse there. And they started their their own little pig farm. They had three kids. Robert, David, and Linda. But Linda never moved to the pig farm. She stayed in the city and went to a boarding school. And... She lived her city life, like, married a businessman. Oh, she-she. A very, very she-she. She lived in Vancouver. Well, Robert and David stayed on the farm. You know, free labor and all. Well, their dad died in 1978, and their mom the very next year. Well, remember how I said that he bought the land for $18,000? Yes. Well. Oh, fuck. By 1994, that land was worth $7.2 million. Holy shit! Yeah. That's a lot of bacon right there. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that's funny. So what the kids did, they sold part of the land to this development company because they wanted to build townhouses. They sold it for $1.7 million. They, they wanted to build townhouses by a pig farm? Okay, okay. I mean, you do you. All I know is that if I went over to someone's house and they lived by a pig farm, I'd be like, it's a pigsty in here. But Okay, that was terrible. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then they sold another piece of their land for $1.2 so that they could build a park. Okay. Well, then Port Coquitlam... Bought another piece of land, because they're the ones that bought for the park. They bought another one. And another one. What? Who's that? I don't know. Uh, DJ Khaled. You know, oh, that. Okay. like, another one. 
they bought this piece so that they could build an elementary school on it. And they paid $2.3 million. Holy fuck. So we are at nine. One, oh, you lost me at two, math. Nine, 10, 11, 2. We're at like 5.2 million at this point. That was very Rayman of you. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It really wasn't. I really should have been able to figure that out much faster. <laughs> from what I can gather from some of the different things that I read, David and Linda, it was like their pieces that were sold. And so what was left of the pig farm was just Robert's. Well... David, though, it said he moved off the farm, but only like moved just down the street a bit. And on his property, he put a party hall, if you will. I'm going to use the words of this article that they called Piggy's Palace. Oh, oh, shit. So, again, like some articles say stuff, some stuff, some say other stuff. The bulk of the articles that I read made it sound like the Piggy Palace thing was actually on Robert's land. Because it's like, so now Robert has free reign of the property, has all this fucking money now. Because, you know, they split it up. And he's just got nothing but time on his hands. Idle hands are the devil's play things. Mm-hmm. Well, it's said that at Piggy's Palace, even though it was officially a non-profit society air quotes basically it was a bar and it was like a fucking party but like the kind that would make my stomach hurt (laughs) give me anxiety yeah like all out okay i wonder if people like when they were going out and they're going to piggy's palace they're gonna be like we're gonna get porked up tonight probably not okay just me yeah just you Well, so they would, like, sell alcohol and all of this. The brothers would, but it's it's all illegal because it's supposed to be, like, this nonprofit thing, and they didn't have any licenses or anything like that. This article that I found on Murderpedia, it had a quote from a guy that they didn't name because he still lived there and wanted to remain anonymous. So this is what he said. He said that he went to, like, a Halloween party there. He got there about nine. It was... Super dark, raining, motorcycles, old cars. There was a pig roasting on a spit. Everyone was in costumes. There were kids there, like, running around. and But there wasn't, like, a whole lot of light out there. And that, like, the party was basically, like, all over that land. He said that there was a trailer out there, and there were people, quote, doing the wild thing. <laughs> okay. Making my heart sing. <laughs> He said, there was a shack. I thought he was going to say shaft, and I was like, oh, this is getting interesting. There was a shack, he said, that had a 40-watt bulb hanging over the door, and machinery was running inside. He said, here I got a death chill. The hairs raised on the back of my neck, and my feet froze to the ground. I didn't want to be there anymore, so I left and walked home. The fuck? Basically, he's not the only one that has stories like this. Oh, my God. This reminds me of that Devil's Playhouse thing where we don't know if it's a real place or not. But remember, mm-hmm. I did it and, like, it was in a, like on a farm yeah. or whatever. This one woman said, like, she went one time and she was like, I'm never going again. 
She said it's a very like raunchy crowd, which don't be judging these people. But she said lots of drugs, like cocaine, the works. Oh shit! Very like her quote is badass people. You know, yeah, like you don't want to fuck with them, kind of thing. Yeah. But here's the thing, though, nothing's going to shut this place down because two mayors, city council people, business owners, like like the, the who's who's who. Is, but but even just like ice hockey moms, teachers, like all of these people went to Piggy's Palace, and so it's not going to shut down because all their shit's going to get aired out. Yeah. Also, how can someone go to Piggy's Palace? Like I, oh my god, I wouldn't. I, I would laugh the entire time, being like, I'm in Biggie's Palace. I'm so dumb. I was like, I would be like, is Kermit here? Oh, Lord. <laughs> That's a Donna joke. That is worse than a Donna joke. Don't, <laughs> don't insult my stupid jokes. Well, again, by this time, Robert is wealthy. He does not need to have the pig farm for money. He just has it because he's it's a hobby, you know. He sells the pigs. He, you know... Does, still does pig farmer things, but whatever that means. <laughs> Feeds them and sells them. I don't know. <laughs> Instead of like you do hood rat, like hood rat things with your hood rat friends. No, like I do pig farmer things with my pig farmer friends. Yes. At farmersonly.com. <laughs> City, City folk, folk just don't, don't get understand. It. Get it or understand? It's, get it. City folk just don't get it. I thought it was understand. Because you're a fucking city folk. (laughs) Don't try to church it up. (laughs) Fuck. Well, and he, so he raised them, but he also, like, slaughtered them there himself, did all the things to the meat, and then. (laughs) The pig farmer thing. Yes. That meat processing thing. Yeah, basically he did. Yeah, thank you for the words. He had, like, a meat (laughs) processing plant, basically. His like rendering plant where he did the pigs, it wasn't far from this area called Commercial Drive in Vancouver, which is apparently very shishi. Good food, films, kind of hipstery. I'm picturing very like Austin, Texas. Yeah. Could be totally wrong, but that's what I'm picturing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he would take a lot of his meat there for those businesses. Are you packing a lot of meat or are you just happy to see me? Picture this, though. There's a girl. Her name is Wendy Lynn Ice Teeter. And at 1.45 in the morning, she stumbles out onto Dominion Avenue. She is covered in blood. And it's said that she had been stabbed repeatedly Fuck. with a brown-handled knife. What the that, fuck? That was in the police report. Holy shit. Well, she tells the police that she was running from Robert Picton. Oh, fuck. Here's the thing, though. So the police charge him with attempted murder. This was March 23rd, 1997. But the charges were dropped because the prosecutor said that they would not be able to get a conviction because they're like, who's going to believe this girl who is like living on the streets all this stuff, who's going to believe her over this millionaire? What the fuck? Yep. So, Robert Pinkton was let go. Also, the area, it's the downtown east side district of Vancouver. And in this area, 
it's kind of like a, a red light district. There's a lot of drug use. There's a lot of, it's just kind of the more like seedy part of town. Lots of sex workers in the area. A lot of, it's, it's a very transient lifestyle. And in that area, women start coming up missing. Most of them are sex workers or have a history of drug abuse, that kind of thing. And again, being that it, they're coming from an area that ha- is transient in nature, they don't necessarily have people who will realize they're gone or report them missing or that sort of thing. That is always so scary at like what's so underreported. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. The problem is too, is that it's like they knew that women were going missing And I don't know if they just didn't care, if they didn't want to put the manpower into it, but nobody was really looking for these women. Well, because like you said, they're the disenfranchised women. You know, one article I read, just to kind of show you, like, nobody's got it figured out as far as, like, how to run a country. But one of the articles I read was saying how, like, with all of the social services available to people in Canada— you know, these women still slipped through the cracks and were living on the streets and had to resort to sex work to make ends meet and to survive. And I think that's that's so true, though. Like, it's it, it really is everywhere, you know? Yes. Also, I think, too, there's still so much of a stigma of people, like, actually saying, I need help. Mm-hmm. And, or, like, for people to think, okay, they're going to believe me if I say this mm-hmm. and they're going to help me, that they resort to, okay, I can do this on my own and I'll get by and it'll only take a minute, you know, like whatever. And here they are thinking they can survive. But I mean, people prey on them because, I mean, they're the low hanging fruit, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Mm-hmm. In 1995, a lady by the name of Diana Melnick. She went missing, and she was actually connected to Robert Picton. Like, the authorities were like, he did it. Wow. Wow. And they're like, there's not enough evidence. You know, again, same shit, different verse. She's a sex worker, allegedly has substance abuse problems, blah, 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 blah. So he was never... What like, the fuck? They they didn't do shit. So here's the thing. Police kind of had his number, but I think that part of why they didn't do anything was because of the Piggy's Palace and stuff. And, I mean, I feel like the, the Pictons had so much on them. But there was even an officer who was fired because she suggested that the 30 women who have gone missing were from a serial killer. Wow. Uh-huh. So, wow. so this is what we know. We don't know when Robert started killing. What we do know is that Diana Melnick is kind of the first victim that they could officially link to him. But it is possible that he started killing back in 1978. What the fuck? And that he stopped killing in 2001. They think that he killed minimum 65 women holy shit here's the kicker though oh there's more he had his own meat processing plant Mm-hmm. and pigs eat everything 
fuck. So what he would do is he would pick up the women under the premise of hiring them as a sex worker. And he would strangle them with some wire or even shoot them. And of course, they're on a fucking pig farm. Nobody's going to hear the shot anyway because of all the acreage they're on. But even if they did, they wouldn't think anything of it because it's a fucking farm. Exactly. So what he would do is he would dismember them and feed them to the pigs. Whoa. Wow. Gross. Or he would, it said, allegedly, grind them up and include them with the pig meat <gasps> and sell it. Uh-uh. Uh-huh. All that meat he took to the east side of Vancouver, possibly all those people were, as this one article says, unwitting cannibals. Makes you not trust anybody. No. No. Now, some of the, like, putting it in meat and, like, feeding it to people is hearsay. Like, there's not, I, I don't know that for sure. That it legit is allegedly. Has he admitted to the other stuff, though? Well, unintentionally, yes. Oh, fuck. So, again, there's very little evidence. So, the police, in February of 2002, the police had a search warrant for the pig farm for illegal firearms. While he was taken into custody, while they searched the farm, you know, the police got another search warrant to look for all these missing women. One of the things on the search warrant was even an asthma inhaler for one of the victims. Oh, my gosh. That reminds me of Thomas J. Can't see without his glasses. Mm -hmm. Well, the police ended up charging him with storing firearms, possessing firearms, all the things. And they just kept him under surveillance. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, then, just less than 20 days later, they arrest him again, and he's charged with two counts of first-degree murder for Serena Abbotsway and Mona Wilson. Then, in April, he gets three more charges for Jacqueline McDonnell, Diane Rock, and Heather Bottomley. I hope I'm pronouncing some of these names right. Then he gets a sixth murder charge for Andrea Josbury, followed by a seventh for Brenda Wolf. It's like a fucking domino effect, and I'm here for it. Then in September, four more. That's what I'm talking about. Georgina Pappen, Patricia Johnson, Helen Hallmark, and Jennifer Firminger. So that's what? We're up to 11? Girl, I... I don't know. I got. I don't have enough hands. Add four more to that. Fuck. Heather Chinook, Tanya Holyak. I hope. God, I'm, I know I'm butchering some of these, and I'm so sorry because they're victims, and I don't want to butcher their names. Sherry Irving and Inga Hall. That's right, fifteen. And that may in 2002 that made it the largest investigation of a serial killer in Canada's history. Wow. Yeah. Well, in May of 2005. There were 12 more charges brought against him. So now we're up to 27 charges for first-degree murder. Well, in 2005, so that was 2002. In 2005, 12 more charges of first-degree murder were brought against Robert. Whoa. So a total of 27. Well, this was like picture 
making a murderer's like junkyard. Uh huh. That's kind of what this pig farm was like. Like it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't a bunch of bunch of cars, but it's yeah, like six and a half acres. There's shit everywhere, yeah. and they've got to comb through this because they. I mean, like painstakingly comb through it mm. because it's not like he's buried them. It's right. pieces of bodies. Yes. You know, it's pieces that a pig may have not finished, or it could be blood that was left from him slot. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's, I know that's terrible, but... Okay, Donna, with the fucking details. But it's just like, there could be DNA and evidence literally anywhere. So it's not yeah. like they could just like use ground penetration and try to find, or a cadaver dog. I mean, I'm sure they did use cadaver, but you know what I mean? It's not like they're looking for a body buried. Yeah. They're looking for pieces. God. Just this is some of the stuff that they had. It said like at the beginning, they had forensic anthropologists there that had these huge conveyor belts and soil sifters to like try to find remains. So it is said that all the excavations that they did at this property cost seventy million dollars. Seventy million. Yes. Here's some other specialists that they had to have to do this excavation. Just to kind of give you why it costs so much. Of course, forensic scientists, odontologists, foot morphologists, chemical biologists, archaeologists, forensic entomology, like, because this professor at Simon Fraser University, their school of criminology, her name's Gail Anderson, she is one of, like, the top scientists in the field, and a lot of her research was on, like, insect activity and all that on victims and their decomposing and stuff. And so she helped with all of it, too. And, you know, this is so terrible. But ironically, her research, she would use pigs as the humans to, like, put them out. You know how, like, we have, like, the body farms here? Yeah. She used pigs. Yeah. Because they're so similar to us. Anyway, so they are, like I said, they're looking for these tiny fragments well, here's the funny thing. Funny thing, really? Other than Piggy's Palace. That's funny. Okay. Well, when Robert was arrested, he was in his jail cell, and he's talking to his celly. But what he didn't know was that that was an undercover officer. Uh-huh. And they had recording, video recording happening in the cell. Oh, Lord. He tells his little celly that basically... He's so pissed at himself. This is back in 2002. He's pissed at himself because he only killed 49 women and he wanted to make the big 5 What the fuck? Mm-mm. Here's the thing, too. After he told the undercover officer, like, all about what he was telling him, like, oh, I've killed 49 and all this stuff. Well, they pull the undercover officer out just to, like, you know, get him out. He, he did his job there, you know. And, like, basically, as soon as they pulled him, Robert stripped completely naked and started masturbating because he was aroused telling about his victims. Wow. Whoa. Well, the numbers don't add up about how many people he actually killed. There was a shit ton of DNA and stuff found at the farm, but... There are so many families that are never going to get closure. Gosh. Fuck him. 
Okay. This is just some of the DNA they found. One woman, her DNA was found on his saw. Mm, the belongings, so like what I think of him as keeping his trophies, of 20 missing women were found on his property. Fuck. With literally no other trace of them. So it's not like, oh, we found their DNA, here's their stuff. No, just their shit. Wow. They found the DNA of 10 women in his freezer, and then some ground meat that was in his freezer had the DNA of other women. So maybe he didn't dispense the ground beef. Maybe he kept it for himself. Well, some stuff, like one article said he didn't, like, if he did it, he didn't sell it. Like, he just gave it to people to eat. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he would be like, here's some food. You know how people around here, they have... Yeah. They have gardens, and they grow too many tomatoes, so they give them away. Yeah. Like, kind of the same thing. But what we do know, through a lot, a lot of back and forth, convictions, appeals, blah, 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 go all the way up to the Supreme Court type things, he was convicted of killing six women. Wow. And so, oh, Robert Willie Picton, he was known as the Butcher. Wow. And he is still alive, living out his life sentence in prison in Canada. Whew, he was a lot. He was, yes. And I mean, I know that there's like so much nasty shit that we, I didn't even, that don't want to cover, yeah, you know. Thank you for not doing it because I'm hungry and yeah. 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 Mm-mm. I had never heard of him. He is a huge serial killer. It's so crazy how many people we've never fucking heard of. I know. I feel like I'm living a lot as a true crime podcaster. Right? I know. Like, y'all are all so much smarter than me. <laughs> Golly. But that's why we love y'all giving us suggestions. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And like, hey, this is one of my favorites. Or, hey, this is someone that ha- like something that happened in my neck of the woods but haven't heard a lot of podcasts do it. You know, yeah. something like that. We love that. There's this one website, which of course I can't think of right now, that like at the bottom of the articles about the killers, it'll be like, if you liked blah, 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 check out these yeah. people. And that's where I find some of my stuff too. So, but yes, y'all keep the suggestions coming. I love it because it's sometimes it's the more obscure cases that there's no fucking way I would ever have heard yes. of. And I, yes. That, and those are my favorite. And they're usually the more, like, weird stuff, too. Yes. Okay, so what do we learn? If you are looking for a house, you're driving, you're like, you know what? I got to start over. I'm just going to go for a drive and see if I find a house. Don't. If you have that and be like, Did you, oh, shit, this is how a horror movie starts. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit, picture it. I'm going to be Donna's podcast subject. Don't. Wasn't it in American Horror Story Roanoke at that house where those people had the pig farmers? Yes. Ooh. A house, a haunted house, and pig farmers. What the Roanoke's going on here? Y'all stay away. <laughs> stay For woke. All you pig farmers out there, we watching you. <laughs> We've got your number. Oink, oink, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh. I think, too, like, there was, like, a public outcry. In Canada, too, about, like, y'all need to investigate why it took yes. 30 fucking women going missing before mm-hmm. you started even looking into this. And I think that that is 
one of the most important things that has come out of this true crime wave is that we are looking at victims for what they are victims, not the things that they have done in their lives or the way they look or the way they were raised or anything like that, because it doesn't fucking matter. Exactly. It doesn't matter if you're a person of color. It doesn't matter if you're, Transient. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter if you're even a rich white male. Mm-hmm. It none of it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't it, matter if you have a history of drug abuse. It doesn't matter if you're a sex worker. It doesn't matter if you're gay, straight, lesbian, or bi. Lady Gaga. <laughs> you know, it just you're a victim. Yes, it boils down bare bones of it. If something happens to you, you're a victim. You are a human being, and. We need to to treat it accordingly. Everyone needs to yes. be treated the same when we're investigating crimes. Yes. So that's my soapbox for this episode. Next week, we'll be covering. <laughs> <laughs> Why guys ghost on Tinder? That's going to be my next. Look, we could have a whole podcast right now on. Paranormal. Carrie's love life. Ha! 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 Damn. Well. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I'm throwing shade, but uh same. Uh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're just getting more um material for the Homance girls. Exactly. Y'all are exactly. welcome. We're doing your field research for you. <laughs> okay, on that note, remember, creep it real and, and don't, don't get scared. scared.